Howdy, 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 and welcome to Thriving in the Transition, the podcast. Episode two, folks, we made it. I've been told that this is uh, some sort of milestone, so I'm going to absolutely run with it. Um, Making it to the second episode is a big deal. Uh, Thank you for being there. So, yay me, uh, yay you, and ultimately, yay us. As we continue to grow and and broaden our audience here, please consider giving us a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Absolutely add positive comments and ask questions. Simply put, Connect with us, connect with me, connect with the community. That's what I'm all about. That's really what I want this podcast to be. By way of update, we're now up on Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and of course, Anchor FM. As we continue to broaden our distribution, we'll share where we're available. Please seek us out wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. We're super excited and we hope that you are as well. Since publishing that first episode last week, I've got to tell you, I've been touched, I've, I've been moved, I've been motivated. I've received an outpouring of support and interest from friends and family, and even looking at some of the stats, uh, 20% of my listeners are in Canada. Hey, thank you, my Canadian friends. I wouldn't have expected that, but I'm so, so glad that it's there. What did this outpouring look like? What did it sound like? Well, everything from questions of, hey, how'd you do that? I'm interested in doing the same thing, or I'm doing it for a school project, uh, to affirmations. I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing, or I'm glad that you're doing the podcast thing. Supremely motivating, and again, a, a very heartfelt thank you to everyone that's given me feedback so far. Thank you for the support and the encouragement, and guess what? We're just at the beginning. There's more to come. In fact, it's that support that I received, that encouragement, that love, that brought about today's topic. It was buried. I was struggling what to do, and then you guys reached out. So you know part of my purpose is to connect others, to bring folks together, to highlight and ultimately exemplify the fact that we have more in common than we do in difference, right? That's why I'm here. I firmly believe that. From episode one, you also know that the premise of this entire podcast is to shine a light on those slightly enigmatic, charismatic, and inspirational people that seem to thrive during transitions, those areas that a lot of us struggle with and get stuck and get frustrated and and don't know what to do. So by shining that light, my goal is to help others help themselves. And all of that leads right back to today's topic. What's safety got to do with it? I absolutely was channeling a little bit of Tina Turner there with what's love got to do with it, because that's that's a great question as well. But what's safety got to do with it? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, My assertion is that safety has everything to do with thriving in the transition. I personally have been through multiple transitions, as I'm sure you have. But growing up, right, moving from childhood to adulthood with adolescence in the middle, Moving, oh my gosh, the moves. Moving from home to college. Uh, I think there were three or four moves at college. Uh, Moving from college to the first job. You get where I'm going. All of those were transitions that I had to get used to. Getting married, that jump from being single and responsible for yourself uh, to being partnered with someone is tremendous. Now you add on top of that, having kids. I mentioned last week that I'm the father of three, and they take up a huge part of my life. They're they're a lot of work. They're a lot of pleasure and joy and pride as well, but a major transition. And then changing careers. For me, it was moving out of the manufacturing and engineering and operations space to learning and development and coaching, just to name a few. Now, there are many more transitions, and we'll cover those in later episodes, but those were just a few. In fact, I've got to say one of the biggest, scariest, one of the the transitions where I felt the most unsafe, in fact, it was terrifying, it was making that career transition. As careers are a huge part of most of our lives, what do you do with that? How do you do with it? It was terrifying for me, but I didn't realize how terrifying it was until after the fact. In fact, I remember very distinctly, I was at my day gig and my manager walked by and he kind of looked at me and said, you know, I don't think I could have done it if I were you. 
And it freaked me out. I'm like, I'm, I'm just making copies. I, what's so difficult about that? I'm like, what do you mean? I, I wanted to clarify. And he said, you know, the transition, it was so big and so huge. I don't think I could have done it if I were you. That gave me pause. L literally, I paused, I stopped, and I'm like, huh, you know, I, I think he's right. And if I had thought of it in those terms, in that black and white, uh, I might not be recording this podcast today. But fortunately, that transition was literally something I had to do versus something that, that I chose to do. And what made that transition so scary, I was married, unemployed, technically. I, I was in school, but not making money, no official career. In fact, I'd given that old career up to pursue something new. I had two kids at the time, the third one's on the way, started an MBA program. And let me tell you, going back to school was a trip. It was exhilarating. It was thrilling. It was fun, but a trip nonetheless. I was on average, um, I'll say 10 years older than my classmates. Which, again, I was the old guy in, in the class, which was, a, again, yet another transition within itself. Uh, my whole life, I'd been the young one in my peer groups and the circles that I ran in. Now I was instantly the old one. So that's a whole other story, and I'm sure I'll talk about that later. But what I was doing was pursuing something that I was passionate about, and there were no assurances. There was no insurance policy here. There were no promises that this thing was going to work or if I'd even find another career or job on the back end of things. That's what made it so terrifying, and I felt incredibly unsafe. Additionally, like right now, as we speak, I'm in fact in the middle of a transition. Uh, as I established myself as a credible, powerful, and influential podcaster and, and content creator, or whatever we're calling ourselves, the, us that make these uh, podcasts and try to reach out to you and gain followership and, and all that fun stuff. In addition to all those other titles that I give myself last week, you know, this whole podcasting thing is brand new to me. And it's absolutely because of the love, the support, and the motivation that I get, have gotten, and will get. Uh, from others that I'm able to keep moving forward. I alluded to some of this earlier, right? It's, it's again, another thank you can be put right here. My goal, again, to keep inspiring people uh, and to keep having an impact. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't feel safe. That's the whole point here. Another example, right? Very simple, dealing with this transition that I'm in the middle of now. Last week, after figuring out that I needed to change audio editor programs for this podcast. And so, side note, if you notice any quality difference, let me know. I'm using a different platform now than I did uh, last week. But we'll cross that bridge after it's all done. So after I figured that out, I was feeling a bit unsafe, a bit nervous, clearly a bit confused. Uh, did I know what I was doing? Was it worth doing? Did I need to put in that effort? But then you guys came in. There were several texts several IMs, all very, very encouraging. In particular, I received a phone call from my uncle, Frank Campbell Jr. Shout out to Uncle Frank. We just call him Jr. He called just to say hi, which he tends to do, so that wasn't really the, the surprise. Then he went on to tell me how proud he was of me. Again, not new, but specifically how proud he was of me for putting out this content how much he supports what I'm doing, and he went on to say how much we needed as a people, as a society, to hear more positivity in the world. I, I was completely taken aback. I mean, I, I was floored. That was incredibly powerful and motivating that he saw what I was doing without me having to explain it. So that let me know that I'm, I'm marching down the right path. That conversation lasted all of two minutes. If that, literally it was like, hey, how's it going? Don't want anything. I just want you to know. Fill in the blank, dot, dot, dot. The point, safety in my case was firmly reestablished. Safety as well as some motivation and encouragement and, and all that good stuff, which brings me back here to episode two. And it was then, well, actually it was the, the next morning when I was at the gym that I had a chance to absorb all that had happened the day before that it occurred to me. One of the primary ingredients and maybe the primary ingredient of thriving in the transition has to be safety. 
if you're not safe, otherwise known as if you're afraid, it's nearly impossible to move forward. You can't be effective. You have to be clear about where you're going. And things that come next level that are after that motivation and being safe, like being fulfilled and being inspirational, those things have no chance of happening. They're not even attainable if you're coming from a place of fear. So safety has to be upfront. It has to be first, foremost. And that's where the idea for this episode came along. And my geeky side kicked in, right? I was immediately reminded about all the things that I knew intellectually about safety. And sometimes emotionally, I forget. Particularly, a topic that we'll talk about quite a bit when we get back from break here, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I've used this topic many times in training sessions and coaching sessions in general conversation. Now, someone's probably thinking how to use Maslow's needs of hierarchy of needs in casual conversation. Trust me, if, if it can be done, I've done it. Hence, refer to that geeky side that I've been talking about. But it wasn't until now that it really jumped out at me. Talk about the universe providing. There was this perfect mix there of what I was going through, the phone call with my uncle, texts and IMs from you guys, that it landed. And so I'm going to run with it. That's, that's what we're going to talk about. And when you think about it, moving up Maslow's pyramid is usually the basis of most transitions as we try and grow and develop as people. So this thing made perfect, perfect sense. I'm going to come and hopefully make a little bit more sense of it when we get back from break. When we get back, we're going to talk about transitions. We're going to talk about safety. We're going to talk about Maslow, key indicators of being unsafe, according to me. And of course, I wanted to make things practical. It's one thing to talk about the theoretical stuff and have this great conversation, but what do you do with it? I want you to do something with it. So I, I created and put together my top five tips to reestablish safety. Come back, join us. We're going to take a little break and then uh, see where this conversation goes. Hold on with us. We'll be right back. All right. All right. Welcome back. Let's talk about safety and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I left before break kind of teeing this up. And I'm guessing most of you are familiar with the concept, with the model, but I want to break things down just a little bit. In, in case you're, you're brand new to it, I don't want to make any assumptions about where people are. As a connector, uh, I know that I have to meet people where they are. And so some folks may not know about Maslow and his hierarchy of needs and the pyramid and all that stuff. So uh, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, give it some flavor, some color, and then we'll just see where things go. So Maslow and his hierarchy of needs, it's basically a, a psychological theory uh, created by Abraham Maslow. And many of you may not have known his name, but it, it's Abraham. We've got a good relationship, so I, I call him Abe. So Abe Maslow, back in, I think it was 1943, uh, wrote this paper about the theory of human motivation, which again, fits right into thriving in the transition you have to have a destination, you have to have a goal, you have to have this motivation to move forward. So Maslow literally laid the groundwork for so many things that followed him. Subsequently, he expanded this idea in this paper to include his observation of human's innate curiosity, which again comes, comes back to motivation. His theories parallel many theories out in the, the developmental psychology world, so it's not super standoutish in that space, but from a practical standpoint, it got a lot of traction. And what he did, he decided to create this classification system where he sort of took universal needs, then mixed in safety, and, and ultimately wound up with this pyramid that I'm going to talk about. And Maslow's hierarchy needs is, is used everywhere. It's used in, obviously, psychology today. It's used in HR. It's used in the workplace. Consultants use it all the time. Because Maslow created terms that we can associate with, that we can absorb, that we can get with, if you will. Things like psychological, meaning that basic you come with it. No one has to give it to you. It's, it's innate to you. Uh, he calls out safety specifically, and, and that's the place I'm going to play and we're going to talk about today. 
He also talks about belonging and being loved, social needs and esteem. And at the top of this pyramid is self-actualization. And I'll explain what some of these terms are a little bit as we go. But if you will, get the picture. He created a pyramid. At the bottom, the, the biggest base or the, the level with the most area is psychological. Those psychological needs, those needs that we all have simply by being. On top of that, you've got safety. Then belonging and love. Social needs or esteem. Then at the top, self-actualization. So quick Google search, you'll see the pyramid. It's, it's ubiquitous. It's, it's everywhere. But I just wanted to describe it just in case uh, you hadn't seen it before or hadn't heard of it. The key thing that is really relevant about this pyramid is that until the base level is resolved or settled or those needs are met, you can't effectively move to the next level. So you can't get to the safety level if you don't have that psychological level met, if those needs aren't met. You can't get to the belonging or the love level if you're not feeling safe, it's, et cetera, et cetera. So simply put, it means that in order for motivation to arise at the next stage, each stage must be satisfied for the individual themselves. So again, if you got to meet the needs at that base level before moving up. As we start with this psychological level, I, I don't necessarily like the term psychological here because it's, it, I don't know, it sounds deeper than it should be. But basically, uh, it's this stuff that we all have, the needs that we all have. And we're, we're talking about food, shelter, and clothing, the essentials. We all need that. We, we want to be warm. We want to be fed. We want to be dry. And a lot of it is actually their physical requirements for human survival. Uh, and that's probably why I don't necessarily agree with the term psychological. But I get where it comes from. It's, it's innate. It's part of our psychology. No one has to tell us uh, that we're hungry. Hey, Will, you need some food. You better go eat. Trust me, I know that and I'm working on it. Uh, Uber Eats is on the way. No one has to tell you that, hey, I'm I'm cold, I'm wet, I need to find shelter, I need dry clothes. You know that. That's why babies cry when their diapers are wet. Again, babies cry for many, many reasons, but that's a perfect example. No one has to tell a baby, hey, little baby, you're wet. Uh, why don't you get some attention and get that diaper changed? The baby's like, dude, already ahead of you. Mom's on it. We've, we've got the loves. We've got the pampers. We've got the huggies, whatever your brand of choice is. I've got this thing taken care of. That's why I've been wailing for the past 10 minutes. So no one has to tell you. You've got it all figured out. That's that base level. That's the biggest level uh, psychological needs. This is where people tend to decide that they want more out of life. Once you have the basics met, once you've got food, once you've got shelter, once you're dry, all that stuff, people are like, huh, there might be more to life. What could that be? How could that benefit me? And then they, they want to be fulfilled. They want to make more money. They want to be happier. They want a family or something else, something else that's higher up on that pyramid. And that's where transitions come in, right? You leave what you know to go for something else. The more I talk about it out loud, the more excited I'm getting. Hopefully you, you probably heard that in my voice throughout the podcast so far. That's the crux of it. That's why safety matters. And it's my assertion that it's here that people struggle and return to that safety level multiple times during the transition because you're, you don't get fully out of it. Something happens, safety is disturbed, and then you come back, and then that need has to be met. So in essence, I, I guess you could say this episode, we're going to talk about how to get that safety need met in Maslow's hierarchy. I didn't call it that because the focus isn't on Maslow and his theory. It's, it's about me and my experience and connecting with you. That's how it works. Uh, and that's where I want to go. And, and that's where I'm going to going to proceed. So now let's assume those innate needs are met, that psychological need. So you're firmly in the safety. What does that mean? How, you know, what can disrupt safety? Yes, big, big, major things, natural disasters, war, death, violence, all of those things. There's also economic safety and, you know, just economic crises and job security. But listen to some of the words that we're talking about. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about jobs. Uh, we're talking about more money. All of those things that we strive for, all of those things require an element of safety. 
And let me break that down just a little bit more. I'm not just talking about physical safety. In general, we do a decent job of physical safety, right? Being aware of our surroundings. If you work in a big office building, there may be, a, I don't know, a thumbprint scanner or a badge or ID or some fob that you need to get in so strangers don't get in. Even some fast food places, they, they lock the bathrooms. Uh, you have to get a key or a code. Uh, they only want patrons using the bathroom. That That physical safety is really well taken care of, in most cases, very, very easily. The safety that I'm really alluding to and really talking about, I call it psychological safety. Again, another reason I, I disagree with how Maslow labeled that first level, but that, you know, that sense of trust, knowing that you're going in the right direction, support, being heard. I lump all of that in to what I call psychological safety, which to me is firmly in that safety level. Those needs have to be met before you can go to the next level. Hopefully you're tracking with me and that makes sense and I'm not just babbling too awful much. But again, it's here where in transitions that people come back to because you get thrown out of safety so quickly. Think about it. If a change is the event, that thing that happens to us that changes our world, and the transition is wrapping your head around it, immediately you don't feel safe. What you knew is no more. There's an immediate fear of now performing in the new world. How do you get things done? My connections are different. My route to work is different. Uh, how I follow the recipe is different. The relationship is different. My ex-girlfriend used to do this. My ex-boyfriend used to do that. It's all part of that transition and safety is gone. So how do you get that back? How do you get your safety needs met? How do you complete this level before moving to the next one? Uh, my gamers, and this just came to me, my gamers understand this automatically, right? You have to clear level one before you move to level two. You have to beat the boss there before you move to level three. You have to meet the challenge there before you move to level four. That's what we're talking about. That's the premise. That's why this topic of what safety got to do with it is so very important. So uh, quickly, the other levels, uh, and I say quickly because I'm not going to dwell there, because again, if you don't get your safety needs met, you've got no chance of getting to the other levels, right? Intentional pause. Those other levels are uh, social belonging, uh, aka love. You have to feel nurtured. You, you have to feel loved. We're, we're social. We're interpersonal beings. You have to have this. In fact, in the work world, there's this great stat. It's great because it's nice to know, but it, it's horrible. One of the biggest questions that employees still have, is there someone at work that cares about me? The reality is we spend more time at work than we do at home with our families. So the social belonging is huge at work. So up from social belonging, we've got self-esteem or esteem, a.k.a. prestige. Esteem is all about the ego, and I don't mean that in the negative sense. Uh, we all want to be recognized. We all want to get recognition. We all want status. We want to feel important. We want respect from others. That's huge, right? Most humans have a need for respect. In fact, when folks don't have it, that's when things go out of whack. Dude, open up the window, look outside. That's where we are as a society right now. So many people feeling disrespected. So many people feeling that someone else took their respect away. It, it's, it's, it's huge, right? And if we don't nail the stuff below it, uh, we'll never get there. But individually, uh, the same thing applies. And then uh, we're at the apex, that top level of Maslow's chart, self-actualization, uh, which is a really, really cool word. But again, I'm a kid of the 80s, and the thing that I think of, there was this old army commercial, and forgive me, I, I'm, I'm not a singer, but it was like, be all that you can be, oh yeah, in the army. Self-actualization, just really being all that you can be. There's a quote, uh, and I don't remember who it's by, what a man can be, he must be, Right. You, there's, you, you have to go for more. Uh, most people aren't happy with where they are, so they, they, they go for more. So that's that, that top level. But again, let's come back down three levels. We're, we're coming down from self-actualization. We're coming down from esteem. We're coming down from social belonging. We're going to play in this safety place, right? With that, what now? 
So, okay, I gave you this little lesson on Maslow and safety needs and all that fun stuff. What do you do with it? Uh, what do you do with this information? Um, how's it make an impact with thriving in the, the transition? Here's the so what. First, you need to be able to tell that safety is in jeopardy. You have to recognize it. This has to register with you. Oh, I'm not feeling safe or safety has been violated. Then you can do something about it. Once you've had that realization, you have to make the connection that it's been violated. Then you can move to reestablishing safety because otherwise it's just an issue of something else being wrong, but you not really being sure what that something else is. Just throw it onto the pile. All kinds of stuff is wrong. My life sucks. Let's stay where we are. No, no, no. Uh, we're going to help you recognize when safety has been violated or is in jeopardy. And then we're going to give you those top tips. So I'm going to share top signs that safety has been violated and top tips to reestablish safety. When we return, uh, for now, let's take a little break and then we'll come back. As I was planning this podcast, I realized that music had to be a part of the delivery and the overall impact because music's really had a profound impact on my life. But it couldn't just be any music. It had to be the right music. That's where Genesis 7 Productions came in. Man, if you're a lover of hip-hop, lo-fi, and neo-soul, Genesis 7 is the man for you. In fact, the intro and outro music of this episode of Thriving in the Transition is courtesy of Genesis 7 Productions. Visit www.genesis7productions.com or email genesis7productions at gmail.com for more information. All right, welcome back. You came back again. Thank you so much for that. So we left uh, with my little uh, rant about Maslow's needs of hierarchy and really focusing on that safety level and how that firmly uh, plays into thriving in the transition. So as I promised, we're going to give you my top signs that safety has been violated or is in jeopardy. And then I'm going to give you my top tips to reestablish safety. So here we go. Top signs, or actually I'm going to say the top sign that safety has been violated during your transition. Yes, there's only one of these things. And it's going to take various forms and manifest, and manifest itself in myriad ways, depending on the transition and the person. So you can break this thing down into nine or ten steps, and I, I was on the verge of doing that. But I wanted to make it simple. So the top sign that safety has been violated is you stop making progress. Forward momentum seems to have stopped. You seem to be in a swirl of things, stuff and confusion. You, you can't even define things anymore. You're not getting the results you want. Maybe it's you haven't written any new chapters for that book you've been working on if your goal is to write a book. Uh, you haven't gotten any interviews because you're looking for a new job. Uh, you haven't met anyone new or you hadn't been on a date if you're looking for a relationship. You've stopped making progress. All right, I, I think you get it with those examples, but what does that look like? Maybe you're consuming more than you would, and I don't just mean eating. That may, maybe you're you're an emotional eater, and that's something. Are 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 you eating more than you normally would? But when I talk consuming, you're spending a lot of time on social media. Facebook has taken this whole new place in your life and uh, you're there so much. You, you perfected your Instagram account. Maybe you're watching a ton of TV. You find yourself sitting on the couch a lot. Maybe that even means clinging or returning to things that are familiar, although you know that's not what you need or what you want. How's that play out? Maybe it's returning to an old but undesired relationship because you're comfortable with that old relationship. You understand it. Why go through the hassle of finding a new one? It may not be worth it. Maybe I had wasn't so bad. Maybe that job that you hate, that created that job search in the first place, now it's not looking so bad. Maybe you can deal with things after all, right? You're consuming, you're coming back. Here's one. 
it's subtle, uh, but it's simple. You're no longer like yourself. You're doing things that you normally wouldn't. You're doing things that are out of character. It's really subjective, right? Because we're, we're all individuals and it may require some insight and or input from others. But when it's there, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Examples. If you're normally very physically active, now you hadn't gone outside in a while. You hadn't worked out. You hadn't gone for a run. You hadn't gone to the gym. You hadn't been on your Peloton. If you're normally creative, you haven't created anything recently. You haven't written poetry, hadn't written a song, you hadn't played your instrument of choice, whatever that may be. You haven't even streamed anything from wherever you, you stream your music. Maybe it's that you normally read books. You haven't read anything lately. Um, does that make sense? Maybe you're normally outgoing and, and very verbose, loquacious, all those words for people that talk a lot, and you're not doing that anymore. Maybe you're normally very open and open and caring and you haven't met with your friends. You, you hadn't organized anything. Those sorts of things, right? You stop making progress and maybe you're not yourself. So all these things point to that not making progress thing. Again, nothing that I've shared is, is foolproof or guaranteed or going to show up in everyone the exact same way. But they are clear indicators of someone that has stopped making progress which again is the indicator that safety is violated or about to be violated or think of it this way, you've returned to that safety step in Maslow's, Maslow's hierarchy need. So whew, take a breath. That, that, that's huge. That's a lot of stuff, but that's where we are. So the number one indicator that safety is in jeopardy, you stop making progress. And that could show up in many, many different ways. But now on to the good stuff, right? What do we do with that? So if, if that's the number one indicator, how do we adjust? How do we continue to make progress? What are your tips, Will, to help me reestablish safety? Well, I'm glad you asked because there are five of them. Number one, top way to reestablish safety, do something. That's it. Do anything. More specifically, do something that gets you one step closer to your goals. What can you do right now? Even as you listen to this podcast, what can you do? Maybe it's making a list or taking notes. Uh, what can you do right now? Maybe it's making a phone call, sending an email, an IM. Maybe it's as simple as Googling something or doing some other form of research. Taking that step forward, no matter how small, gives you proof that you can continue to move forward and the world doesn't implode, therefore reaffirming safety. This thing about having done something in order for it to be repeatable is very, very powerful uh, with human beings. One of the things that I, I like to throw out to people, again, I've got this bit of a geeky side, uh, running, I'm, I'm by no means a runner, but that, that elusive four minute mile that used to be in place uh, no one could do it for years and years and years. One person did it. Within a year, you had kids in high school doing four-minute miles. Once you prove that you can do it, it can be repeated. That's why this do something is so powerful. Once you make that step, once you move forward, you've proven to yourself that you can do it. And guess what? You're more likely to do more. You're feeling more safe. You're feeling more secure check safety restored now do something is is kind of nebulous so I, i've got like a subsection of do something uh, more specifically for those of you that like a little more specifics do something that energizes you what sources you what gives you energy what makes you happy uh is that exercising or going out to nature, or listening to music or writing poetry? I've, I've talked about that in some of the questions for do something, but that's a little more specific. Whatever that thing is that energizes you, do that, right? Being energized gives you that motivation to move forward. Again, all tying back to the bigger picture, do something. Absolutely do that thing that energizes you. All right. We've got number two here, and this one is is big for me. And again, I've, I've alluded to it, but I'm, I'm going to call it out specifically because it is so very important. 
Number two in the top five things that you need to do to reestablish safety during your transition. Create. Whatever that is, whatever that means for you, create. Creation, in my opinion, is the difference between great people and everyone else. Now, of course, we're human. We're all consumers. We have to be, right? We, we have to eat. We have to wear clothes. Again, that basic level of Maslow's Pyramid. We have to consume. But those that stand out, those great leaders, those inventors, those actors, those rappers, those athletes, those musicians, whoever, those folks create way more than they consume. And not just things and stuff. These folks create relationships. They create revenue. They create art. They create opportunity. The simple act of creation can absolutely reestablish safety because there's something tangible afterwards. Something new that wasn't there before. There's a sense of, I can do it. Look what I just did. Here it is. There's the relationship. Here's the paper. Here's the book chapter. Again, that supports the number one tip of do something. Uh, again, much more specific than I called it out, but create. Creation is a powerful, powerful tool. And if we, in my opinion, became more of a society that creates versus consumes, oh my gosh, uh, the world would not have seen a society like that one and what it can do and what it can produce. So absolutely create. All right, number three, the third top tip to reestablish safety after safety is being jeopardized or uh, even broken up during your transition. Breathe. Take a beat. Pause. Sometimes we just absolutely get overwhelmed. There's a lot of stuff, right? Sometimes we get too trapped in one and two and doing all kinds of stuff in the throes of transition. There's so many moving parts. Take some time to regroup. Take a few deep breaths, and I mean deep breaths, to the point where you make noise. Uh, that's some of the best advice that I got in the past couple years. We don't breathe enough. Yes, we breathe to live, right? It's what's called respiration. Uh, we respirate as humans. Plants do it too. Again, that geeky side just jumps out at me like eighth grade biology just flooding back to me right now in the moment. But you need to breathe. In fact, right now, let's let's try it. I'm, I want to do this really weird, strange thing, but I'm going to do it. Take a deep breath with me. <sighs> a good breath makes sound. A good breath forces you to pause. A good breath makes you feel better. I felt myself getting excited during recording this because I, I really like doing this and sharing myself with you. But even just that breath, I just threw another one in. Uh, just really powerful. Like, my mind's a little clear. I'm, I'm going to finish this thing up strong. But my advice to you is absolutely to breathe more. Again, that pause, it gives your body time to catch up with your brain. Our, our brains are amazing, amazing tools. And we can focus and concentrate and worry about seven thing, 17 things that we need to do next week or next month instead of the one thing that we need to do today. Hence us not moving forward, right? We're worried about the, the 19, the 30 things that need to be done and the email and the phone call and, and the, the stuff and the thing and the relationship and the person and my, my wife and my mom and all this stuff. But what's the one thing that you really need to focus your energies on? This pause also gives you time to reflect on your goals. Are your goals still relevant? Working towards irrelevant goals absolutely triggers us and makes things unsafe. So just absolutely breathe. Now I'm going to jump around a little bit because I realized that I missed something very, very important with number one. Uh, do something. One of the tips, do something, do anything, work towards your goal. Someone somewhere is probably thinking, well, what if you don't have a goal? Aha! That's it right there. If you don't have a goal, the first thing you need to do is get a goal. Create some goals. They don't have to be ginormous. They don't have to be perfect. They just have to be written down, communicated, shared. 
So I jumped from number three back to number one because it, I didn't say that before and I, I had to throw that in. If you don't have goals during your transition, you have to have that. Otherwise, everything else gets thrown out of whack. Another breath right here. All right, we're caught up. So we're talking about the top five things that you can do to reestablish safety during your transition. We're up to number four. Uh, as a quick reminder, number one, do something. Number two, create. Number three, breathe. Number four, get help. Now, although number this is number four, it's probably the most difficult of the tips to reestablish safety. Why? As people, as individuals, we don't like asking for help. Uh, I think folks think that asking for help shows weakness or lack of capability or poor performance. Um, in, in the workplace, I once read this great article, and I'm pretty sure it was in uh, Inc. Uh, it said people would rather lie or make up something than get help or say, I don't know. Go figure. It's hard. It's difficult. But guess what? It means that you're human and that humanness can sometimes be more attractive than that person that thinks that they know it all and never, ever needs help. Right? Uh, asking for help does not demonstrate weakness. It's simply not the case. We all need help. I started this podcast off talking about the help that I received from you guys, the IMs, the texts, the emails, the phone calls. So we all need it. No one ever gets it done on their own, whoever they are, wherever they are, whatever the role, whatever the location. Now, help can look different to different people based on the individual and the specific transition. Maybe it's finding a coach or a mentor or an accountability partner. Now, what's accountability partner if you, you're not aware? An accountability partner is simply someone that helps hold you accountable. Because as people, we are brilliant at dodging accountability, especially when it comes to ourselves. We won't let down the team. We won't let down our spouse, significant other, but we'll let ourselves down. Oh, I'll do it later. I'll have fun later. I'll do that project later. I'll find another job later. An accountability partner is exactly that. Sharing your goals with someone who's going to help hold you accountable. The best, best, best example that I have of this. If you've ever had a goal to lose weight or to eat healthier, share that with people. Because then if you're in a meeting, if you're at someone's house, a housewarming, whatever the situation, and you reach for that second double chocolate chunk fudge cookie, your accountability partner or partners are more likely to say, hey, Will, I thought you were eating healthy. That's your third cookie, dude. What's up? Oh. Now, some of us consider that being called out or being called to the carpet or, or whatever. Simple accountability. Thank you folks for helping hold me accountable. If it weren't for you, I'd skip out on myself. I'd skip out on my goals. That's where the accountability partner is so very powerful. Does that make sense? If you've ever tried to stop smoking and you want to quit cold turkey, whatever the case may be, and you don't tell other folks, guess what? You're going to be sneaking out to get that nicotine fix or, or whatever draws you to smoking. But if you tell people, if you create an accountability partner, accountability relationships, when you leave the room, when you leave the house, when you leave the office, hey, Amy, where are you going? You're not going to go have a cigarette, are you? Oh, um, yeah, no. See how it works? And it may be a little uncomfortable at first, but that's where that relationship, that accountability partner relationship comes in because that person now has permission to call you out if that's what you want to call it. I like to say they've got permission to help you. Again, we're talking about number four, get help. That's one way to help. The last way, and it's kind of a combination of what I just said, maybe it's putting structures in place to help you track your progress or to stay on task. Maybe it's a conversation with someone just to bounce ideas off of, or maybe it's affirmations. 
that's where that accountability partner again can play that role. But again, structures, structures, what do you, what do you mean by structure, Will? So what I mean by structure, a good structure that I use, for example, is a list of activities that energize me. So if we remember back up to number two or number one, uh, do something that creates you, which is a subsection of, of do something, a good structure, I create a list of activities that energize me, that source me, that give me power that make me feel good. Uh, and then I track how often I do those things. Why? That's random tracking, Will. Random acts of tracking. It probably should be illegal somewhere, but it's not. What does that do? What does that structure provide? Well, I found that when I'm feeling unsafe, aka stuck, confused, I'm no longer moving forward, those things on that list are things that I haven't done in a while. So it becomes a barometer of sorts, right? Oh, my energy is low. I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm not where I want to be. Let me check this list. Oh, I haven't played my bass in two months. I haven't gone outside in a week. Uh, I've only seen the sun through the crack of the window as I'm going to the bathroom. Oh, do those things on the list. Does that make sense? That's a really, really great structure. It's simple. It's free. Do it. So that was number four. Get help. Final stretch here. Number five. Readjust. We aren't perfect as people, nor should that ever be the goal. Our plans, our goals, our structures don't always work out the first time readjust. Transitions are by definition new, different. Things change, including goals and tactics to get to those goals. Maybe you need to readjust or try something new, new methodologies to get to where you want to be. Or maybe you thought where you thought you wanted to be isn't it anymore. It's not the same. It's changed. There's no shame in readjusting. There's no admitting guilt or anything. The best of us have to. In fact, adaptability, flexibility, they're absolutely critical to thriving in the transition. So if you need to readjust, readjust whatever that is. So there you have it, right? My top five things to reestablish safety during a transition. We're going to go in reverse order now. Number five readjust. Things don't have to be perfect the first time. Change your goals, change your methodology, learn something new, readjust. Four, get help. It makes you much more human and approachable. And guess what? You'll learn some stuff if you get help. So reach out, get the help you need. Three, breathe. Make noise with that breath. Take that pause. Things become clearer, more focused, in perspective, take that breath. Sometimes you need to slow down. Two, create. Don't consume as much. Put something new into the world, an idea, a white paper, a podcast. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Whatever the case, whatever it is that you do, create something. That will prove that you can bring something new into existence. That transition is no longer so scary. Safety is reestablished. And then number one, again, I admit very general, but do something of your own choosing. You pick. No judgments from anyone, but do something. What's, what's the old saying? I'm, I'm reminded right now. Uh, if you change nothing, nothing will change. That's where this fits. Sitting, ruminating, talking about how you're stuck, how you're feeling unsafe, how you're not making progress anymore, isn't going to get you to make progress. Once you realize that you're not making progress, do something. So there we go. That was my, my top one indicator that safety is violated. And then the top five things uh, that you can do to reestablish safety. Let's take a break. We'll come back and wrap this one up. Folks, thank you so much. Another one almost in the can. All right, folks, that brings us to the end of this episode of Thriving in the Transition. 
episode number two, numero dos in the can. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be myself. If you're getting something from this podcast, yes, I know it's only two episodes, but um, if you're getting something, giving anything, give us a five-star rating uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe. Uh, I will be putting out new content, new episodes weekly. Uh, That's my commitment to you. That's my commitment to myself. Um, Let us know what you think. Give us comment. Give us feedback. Um, Again, connect with us. Engage with us. Uh, please subscribe. I think I've said that already, but subscribe. Let us know um, what you like, what you want to hear. Let us know what questions you have. Add us to the list of other great podcasts that you listen to. Uh, that's my goal. That's my aspiration. That's where I want to be. I want to be one of those go-to podcasts for you. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Logic Consulting, L-O-G-I-Q Consulting. Uh, also follow me on Instagram. Uh, love the gram. Uh, that's at logic coach. Uh, that's at L O G I Q underscore coach. Uh, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. Um, I, I'm doing video segments of this podcast on YouTube. Check us out there. Uh, that's thriving in the transition on YouTube. And yeah, there's a website too. Uh, visit www.thrivinginthetransition.com. Uh, I I think that's it. Thank you so much, folks. Um, Appreciate it. I had a blast. Again, hopefully you got something from this. If so, let us know about it. Give us that five-star rating. Until the next episode, cheers, everybody. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.